I feel I must mention by listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice or consultations with your healthcare professionals. We're here to share stories and give hope. Please consult your own physician for any medication questions or medical issues that you may be having. Our bodies are uniquely ours, and something that may work for one person may not necessarily work for you. This week, I'm talking with Diana about her journey with vestibular migraines. As a stay-at-home mother, she shares how these disorders affect not only the warrior, they can take an emotional toll on families as well. She learned that focusing on her passion for makeup and nail art not only propelled her to start a business as a professional nail artist, it's a way for her to spend more quality time with her family and allows her to focus on something other than her symptoms. Today, Diana feels she is 70 to 95% her former self and has learned how to live a fulfilling life. Welcome, Diana. I know we met in, I think, Mummy Scene Double group. Is that where I met you? Uh, no, we actually started uh, talking on Instagram. Is that where it was? Yes, it was Instagram. I don't know how. I mean, so many mutual friends because of the community. <laughs> that, that's how we found each other. That's true. There's a lot. There's. Are you in the Mummy Seeing Double group? At uh, one point, I literally had to leave a lot of the groups because yes. it was just too much sometimes. They are. They are. You really have to know when to take a break because you can yes. pull you back down if you don't. Yeah, definitely. I get that. Well, um, I brought you on to see if you could share your story with us. So my name is Diana. I'm 33. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. Um, I've had migraines for a long time. My mom has migraines. My dad had migraines. So it was bound to happen for me, but it was always the pain part. Um, and around 2016, I started having a little bit of swaying here and there, but since I'm always been anemic, that's what the doctors thought it was. Oh, you're just anemic and you just need to get your blood levels like up and whatever. But uh, then, but it would be like maybe once every six, six months, something like that. It wasn't constant. Then 2019 came, had a really bad episode of migraines. I, in about two weeks, I had to go to the hospital for five days. Um, they did a, I don't know if it has anything to do with that, but they did a lumbar puncture. Really? Yes, to see if it wasn't it wasn't meningitis because my neck was getting really stiff and all that. And seriously, after they did that lumbar puncture, I've never been the same. Wow. Never been the same. The pressure I felt in my head was instant and it has never gone away. And during my worst days of dizziness, that pressure is always there. So I don't know. I just connect that day too. To that, and I know for a lot of people, like something like medical procedure, traumatic or something like that can be the cause for it, or like at least like the trigger for the chronic phase. Right. And that's literally how it started for me, just swaying here and there, maybe once a day, 
And then one day I woke up and it never went away. Mm. That's crazy. Uh, from that point, how long was it? The lumbar puncture and being diagnosed with vestibular migraine. That was about, it took me about five months and I, I consider myself a lucky one. I know there's people that have been for years. Um, I think the one thing that helped me was that I took matters into my own hands because I read so many stories Yeah, and I am the, a lot of doctors hate this and they tell me, don't do that. Don't go to Google or this. But I feel like you have to, sometimes you have to, because sometimes they don't take you seriously. So yeah. I did a lot of my research, uh, became part of like a lot of the groups, vestibulars, and I knew a little bit about vestibular uh, disorders because my mom has many ears. So in the back of my mind, that was always my fear. Oh my God, I'm going to start spinning. I'm going to start spinning. Even though my dizziness never comes in spinning, uh, I sway a lot, but I never, thank God, have any like uh, rotational vertigo, thank God, because I know right. I see my mom going through that and no, I don't want to. So that's what just kept me pushing, 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 because I was so scared that that was going to be me. Right. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm 30. I have two small children. My husband cannot leave work because he was the provider. Mm -hmm. So what the heck am I supposed to do? And we have moved to Florida two years before that. We don't have family. We don't have friends here. So I was like, no, I need to find a solution for this. So I did a lot of my research, uh, established care with, uh, with a neurologist. Mm -hmm. But at the beginning, a lot of my, uh, my PCP, she thought it was maybe um, MS, multiple sclerosis. So that's how I started my care with my neurologist, but he's more specialized in MS, mm -hmm. not unlike the vestibular part, but he's great. Like he's a great doctor that cares. Maybe he doesn't know much about it, but he cares and he tries. Right. Then yeah. I realized that there's a doc. Oh, I went to the ENT. She just told me it could be just... She told me, yeah, it sounds like it can be uh, like a um, variation of Meniere's. She left it at that. Yeah. And I'm like, no, but this doesn't sound right. Like I still wanted a more precise, even if it was Meniere's, I wanted like a, like a more detailed diagnose. So uh, that's when I found out that there's something called a neurotologist, which is like a mix of a neurologist and ENT. And I'm lucky that here in Tampa, they actually have one of the best hearing centers in the, in the country. I made an appointment with, um, with one of them. The one that I actually wanted wasn't available for like six months. Oh, God. So I went with the next one. I'm like, but at least I'm going to see someone. Mm -hmm. He was helpful, but not to the point that I wanted. He told me, yeah, this sounds like maybe it could be vestibular migraines. It could be, what's the other one? I think it's PP. BPPV? Yes, that one. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many terms. I know. But, so so was, but, he said, but he was the first one to say, this doesn't sound like many years. Mm -hmm. So that was a little bit of relief for me because my biggest fear was many years. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. Yeah. 
Um, but still he put me through um, vestibular therapy. That didn't help the movement of the heads and everything that they made me do there was just only making it worse. Uh, he put me through, I tested about two or three medications. And because of my research, I always wanted to go with venlafaxine or Effexor. Didn't want to. I don't know why, but he didn't want to. The doctor didn't want to? Yes, he made me try uh, amitriptyline or triptyline, all this first. But he even put me on a... Um, a movie injection to see if maybe that will help the the migraine part of it or this so I had to wait that's why I say maybe five six months and and I was just going back and forward and between the neurotologist and neurologist Mm -hmm. and their neurologist was like um I feel like he will be the one to like go with the medication like the he told me the neurologist told me that the neurotologist will be the one to like he, he wanted to trust the other doctor more since he was the specialized one. Right. So one day I just got tired of it and, and this sounds so crazy, but I'm glad I did it. I went to my neurologist and I told him, I'm like, listen, I talked to my neurologist and he says he doesn't care that if you want to prescribe me effects or you can do that. But my neurologist never said that. <laughs> <laughs> and my neurologist was like okay so let's uh wait two weeks of you like uh microdosing down the amitriptyline Mm -hmm. and then let's start you on effexor and i was like okay um i never went back to the neurotologist because i feel like whatever and started effexor and i'm not kidding you one week in i was already feeling the difference that's wonderful and, and I know that's not how it goes for a lot of people. That's not the medication for a lot of people. Cause I seen people that it didn't do anything for me, right. but the one thing that I take from this is definitely you have to be your best advocate. You do, you do. And you're right. When you say that, um, it doesn't work for everybody. Cause I tried effects her and yes. I had some really bad side effects. So I had to taper off of it. So, but I do hear great things about, um, venlafaxine, uh, you know, effects or, for mm-hmm. others. Now, do you have, um, do you have pain with your migraines? I mean, as far as with your vestibular migraines? Yes, you do. Um, I still get pain around my, I know when I'm allowed to get my period because my, my, my pain and my dizziness get worse literally that week before. Right. Um, mine are very hormonal mm-hmm. to the point that I cannot even be on birth control because that's just, makes everything worse right um but yes the pain's still there for that one i take uh sumatriptan when needed but thank god they've been under control lately that's good and your dizziness your swaying it seriously depends on a lot of things stress is a big trigger yeah um definitely changing weather mm-hmm. okay. and we, we feel that down here <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes so that's that's sometimes not helpful but for my, most of the days I would say now I'm at a like my baseline will be between 70 percent and 95 percent of like having 95 being the best days right 
And 70, 75 being like, oh my God, I'm about to start going downhill again. It gets really, I get really anxious when it's happening. I start, even though I know like I already got through the worst part and if I did it once, most likely I can do it again. Even if it goes to that point, it's just very scary. I don't want to ever be, because it was three months of me not even being able to to get up from bed and and not only did affect me mentally, physically, but it affects your kids, mm-hmm. your family, your everything. Right. And you weren't working. Was I working? You weren't working when you were when you were no, I was a stay-at-home mom. Right. Thank God. Thank God yeah. I already, but at the same time that felt even worse because I'm like, okay, I'm a stay-at-home mom. This is my responsibility. And right. I'm not even able to take care of my kids. Yeah, that's hard. But that made it emotionally and like mentally really hard on me because I just felt I'm like I'm 30. I'm supposed to be enjoying my life. These are my best years. And I was just miserable in bed every day. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. What do you think the biggest game changer for you was? Uh, I mean, medication, definitely. Medication. Yes, it's been I started effects or um late 2019 and I'm still on it I'm scared to even try to microdose down the doctor told me whenever you feel ready you can but I'm just so scared that I don't know maybe who knows if I'm gonna be on it for the rest of my life but for now I'm not willing to even because yeah no what if my body goes back to being the way that it is and what if I try effects or one more time and now this time doesn't work you know there's so many things that can happen that I'm not willing to sure yeah to change that no and and it looks like you you've actually you're on the other side of it where you're stabilized you're you have your own business now yes now I'm a nail nail technician I went to school got my license like to call myself a nail artist instead of a nail technician. Oh my gosh. Some of the stuff (laughs) I see is amazing. And yeah, it's like those Instagram type of nails takes me two to three hours depending, but it's, it's very rewarding. uh, And it keeps me busy because that was something from the beginning. Sometimes even when I was having the worst dizziness, I needed to focus on something. And back then, my one thing was like doing my makeup. And I don't know why that helped me. So now just focusing on my clients' nails and everything, it helps a lot too. Are you a Vita ambassador also? Yes, I was. And I was, I know this sucks. And I read once about it and, and I was like, I don't think so. But I don't know. We are, I think most of us are guilty that whenever we start feeling better, yeah. And sometimes I feel like, okay, maybe it's that we got busy or whatever, but sometimes, and I know it sounds so bad, but it's almost like whenever I go and read an article or go back to like respond to a post or whatever, it's almost like you jinx yourself. I don't know if your brain start playing games on you and it's like, okay, why am I feeling dizzy out of nowhere? Uh, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I don't know. I've talked to a few that feel the same way and they're like, it's almost like we're ungrateful because the community helped us so much when we were down, going down here. And now it's like, we put it to the side because sometimes maybe it's our own mind blocking it. We don't want to remember. No, I feel the same way. I feel like, gosh, they helped 
so much, so many of the groups helped. And now that I'm feeling so much better, I find I'm not in those groups so much. I try to sneak back in once in a while just to say, Hey, I'm doing great. Just, you know, give a little inspiration, but it's hard because, um, like we were talking earlier, if you stay in those groups too long, it sucks you back into that darkness and the, it just brings back so many bad memories. And unfortunately, I think, um, as soon as a lot of people start getting better, like mm-hmm. I said, we forget to go to posts to remember that we're doing better. Yeah. So yeah. most of the posts that you see is people that are still going through it. Yep. And that's when it feels, at one point I was just feeling like, okay, I'm just going to be miserable for the rest of my life. Like some of these people. And I feel so bad for them. But at one point I just had to be like, no, let me take a break because this is only making my anxiety, my panic attacks, everything worse. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. It's true. I think there's a time um, you can take with the from the groups what you want. I mean, when you go in there and you're and you're looking for support. I mean, even when you know you're having bad days, but yes, and, um, even if the pills are working, it takes a lot of mental work to get yeah. to the other side and and taking a real look at your life and stuff. Yes, definitely. You, I don't know. I I learned to. I learn. it's almost like I have to tell myself, don't panic, don't panic, don't panic every single day when I feel like my, um, my symptoms are getting a little bad. And it's so easy, like you say, it's so easy to go down. It is. Like start feeling, and I feel like that only makes it worse. Becoming anxious, it's only going to make it worse. So still, there's times that I go to bed and I feel like "Hmm, I'm on a boat. Like seriously, my bed feels like I'm broken. Mm-hmm. And before I would just get up, start pacing around. Now I just, it's almost like I embrace it. Mm-hmm. I start maybe counting backwards in my head, or I put one of those I use. What's the call? What's the name of this app? It's called I use Better Sleep. Oh, Better Sleep. Better Sleep. Like a, meditation? a lot of like um, bed nice stories oh. or like things like that. And it's like all of them including yourself too. You have such a calming voice that is like, okay, that makes me feel better. And now I just don't let it get to me as easy as before. Right. right. And maybe it's just the, I always say, and I tell everybody that reached out to me or whatever, when they have uh, questions, the first, like whenever you start feeling this for the first time, Mm -hmm. the unknown is what makes it so much worse it's so true you don't know what's going to happen you don't know if it's going to get better worse like for me like I said it was just the fear of like is this swaying going to become the rotational spinning that I see my mom go through right and for me that was the biggest fear yeah because she's she's had Meniere's for you said nine years yes but it's been four years since she had any and I'm knocking on wood, oh, uh, but yeah, she's doing better too. So, oh, good. Yeah. That's hard. That is very hard to, to be fearful that, cause you've seen your mom go through it. Yes, mm. definitely. It's, it's so strange. Cause when, when you're in the thick of it and you just want a diagnosis, it doesn't matter. You just want just something to call it. Yes. And it doesn't matter what it is. Um, I know. Cause I was diagnosed with a few things before I finally got to Meniere's. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, at least when I got diagnosed with BPPV the first time, I was like, whoosh, 
you know, that's <laughs> a weight off my shoulders, but then things just progressively got yeah. worse. And, um, and I think uh, Joey Remini, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her in her rock study group, she says, I'm trying to think of what she says, but it's like finding that diagnosis or ruling out everything else to make sure that, you know, but <laughs> I can't think of it, but she says something to the point that you want to, um, gosh, rule out all the bad stuff so that you know that you can live with this and so exactly. you can move on. And exactly. that was, did you have MRIs and all that? Yes, you did. Uh, yeah, I had MRI because like I said before, they thought it was a, maybe um, MS. So yeah, I did MRIs. I did a lot of the, the I don't even remember the names anymore, but the, the testing that they put you on a rotate, like a chair that starts spinning. Right. Oh my God, that was so bad. Then I even went to one that is like a big capsule, like an egg shaped thing and they make you yeah, I was out that, that day I fell. Thank God for the harness. Right. Is that with the floor? Day. I forget what that yeah, is. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that one, it was very bad for me. That one was really bad. And since I was going through my worst phase, obviously mm -hmm. I wasn't sturdy enough for that one. And to this day, my little girl still still laugh at me. About they were there day. with you? She was there with me, yeah, because I didn't have anyone to take to have her that day. To this day, she still laughs, and she's like, Mama, do you remember that day that you <laughs> fell when you were hanging from the hand? <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of testing, a lot of things, blow work, everything, and everything will be like, oh, it's normal, it's normal. And then if everything is normal, why am I feeling so bad? Right. That's crazy. Yeah. If you could go back when you first started this journey and tell yourself anything, what would it be? Or to tell anybody in the, the beginning of their journey right now? That it's easier said than done, but um, you're going to learn to live with it. You're going to learn to adjust. It's just that unknown part that is going to make you freak out too much, but you're going to get there. And even, I know it sounds so bad and it's so, it's so much easier for me to say it now that I'm feeling so much better. But I feel like even if you never get out of that chronic phase, at least, you know, it's that's it. It's never, I seriously don't know. Like it's never at least going to get worse or like, okay, you still do this every day and, and you get used to it. Yeah. You just got to figure out a way to live. Yes. Despite these symptoms. And I know it's, yeah. it's harder for a lot of people. It is. I, I consider myself very lucky and. And I just hope I never had to go back to that. I know that's a fear of mine that I know at one point I can go back to that point, like to that stage. And But if that happens, then I'll take it one day at a time, just like I did. Yeah. Did you keep a journal or anything like that? Um, a symptom journal when you were sick? Yes. At the beginning I did because um, this was something that my neurologist told me to do. Mm -hmm. So the one thing that I was like every single day, the constant thing was the swaying. Right. Definitely used to sway a lot. Uh, the vision part of it, my eyes felt very shaky, very, very shaky all the time. I couldn't stare at something for a long time because it would feel like that object or that person was coming towards me. So sometimes I felt like the walls were moving. Mm -hmm. 
uh, marshmallow flour, like they call it. And what was the other one that was very, and like my brain felt like it was spinning inside or like shaking. Mm-hmm. And everybody that I've told that that doesn't understand the vestibular part, they're like, what? why do you mean your brain is shaking? Um, well, consider yourself lucky that you don't understand that. Right. Absolutely. Do you get internal tremors throughout your body or just in your head? Just my head. Just your head. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. also tested for MS and um, I forget the name of the test where they uh, put needles in your thighs to, yes. did you have that? Yes, I oh did. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was like, ooh, it's crazy. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, thank but you. all my nerves, everything were fine. So That's good. it was a good thing to know that like at least that part is okay. Right. Cause I mean, MS is, is very serious and scary too. Yeah. And, but then I'm like, okay, if that's okay, then what else is, is wrong? What's happening? And to this day, I never had any tests prove that there's something wrong. All my tests are good. So that's why they went with vestibular migraines. And, and I agree, like, I feel like it's, it's a good diagnosis, especially since he, it um, responded so well to Effexor. Mm-hmm. So I do feel like, as of right now, I feel okay with, with the diagnose. Right. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been diagnosed with um, VM? Uh, since 2019, late 2019. So two years and some months. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. I know I don't see you posting much about your symptoms anymore. Yeah, no, I... I mean, when I started my business, the pandemic and everything, that's around the time that I right before the pandemic that's when I started my business so I was focusing on that a lot then life happened I think you know what I'm talking about yes unfortunately it does when my brother passing I I don't know like my personal page makes me too sad sometimes so that's why I I avoided a lot lately and and from time to time, I try to go and be like, oh, hey, I'm okay. And I post like maybe twice about the vestibular symptoms. Yeah. But yeah, it's more like a personal thing, not wanting to to go to that page. I get that. Yeah. It scares me too, because it's like there's so many memories of him that I want to lose from that, but I'm just not That's true. ready to see it every day. If that makes I, sense. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find um, your symptoms amped up when all that was going on? At the beginning, I was really scared. Uh, the day of the, the day of the of the accident, he suffered an accident, and he was in the hospital for twenty four hours. I flew that day to New York, mm-hmm. and that night, while we were waiting for, because he pretty much was brain dead, and we had to make the decision to unplug him. Hmm. so while all this was happening I definitely could feel everything was swaying Mm -hmm. but I think even a normal person would have felt something like that so Mm -hmm. I was like it's not even I'm not even gonna blame it on the vestibular part then uh it was just my brother and I so I had to put my big sister pants on I was taking care of everybody everything funeral making sure my mom is okay my kids are okay right but I didn't even have time or a mind to like even pay attention to myself 
Right. And about, I would say two to three months after, that's when I started feeling it. Yeah. I got really uh, dizzy. But like I said, stress, it's a big trigger for me. Yeah. And because of my grieving, I wasn't sleeping. And not sleeping is one of my main triggers. If I don't have a good night's sleep, I don't don't function the next day. And for a lot of people, like in the grieving process, um, nights are the worst because it's like when everything's quiet, when you're not busy with anything. I seriously wasn't sleeping. And this is when it got to that point of like, I'm very dizzy, whatever. And I decided to go back on trastodone which is uh, to sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took it for a long time before my even my my vestibular migraine started, but I stopped it because like when I was going through the chronic phase or like the worst phase, um, you're scared of everything. So I eliminated everything because I'm like, what if trazodone is making it worse? I wouldn't even take a Benadryl. I wouldn't take even my colds. If I got a cold or whatever, I wouldn't take flu. I wouldn't take anything because I'm like, what if it makes it worse? Right. But now, like when I wasn't sleeping or whatever, I talked to my PCP and she was like, I think let's start you with a low dose of it and see because not sleeping is definitely not going to do you well, especially with your uh, condition. And so that's that's what I did and Trasodon helped me a lot and then it's been a year and a half that he passed so it's little by little it gets better and and I'm doing much better but yeah around the the two month mark since he passed that's when I felt everything that I finally got time to like okay now everybody seems okay so now it's my time to feel it and that's when I went downhill pretty quick it lasted for about I felt like I was going downhill again like through a very bad chronic phase for two weeks and then after that little by little I I went back to baseline yeah Mm -hmm. that's so tough you went through so much (laughs) yeah and I only saw bits and pieces of it and I was just ugh, just break your heart yeah, it's, it's been a lot, especially taking care of my girls. Yeah. They were very attached to him. And yeah, it's too much having to take care of everybody. And at the same time, taking care of yourself. It's, it's hard sometimes. Absolutely. Well, well, I, I saw you were surrounded by a lot of people. Yes. And that's a tough one. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's just life. I don't even know how I do it either, but do what you have to yes especially because I know like I'm always telling myself my my like and even through your my chronic phase as well my main thing was like my kids need me and sometimes I feel like if it wasn't for my kids I don't know what would have happened it takes like the dark thoughts come to you very 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 hard yeah will be time that I will be just driving and because that's another thing for me driving was one of the things that helped me mm-hmm. compared to other people that cannot even drive for me right. I would just go for drives for hours because it's the only time that I will feel normal mm-hmm. but sometimes I will be driving and I'm like what would happen if I just run that red light and but then I will be like no my kids need a mom they're still too young 
And yeah, that's how I go about life for everything. When I feel like I cannot do it anymore, I feel like my kids need me. And now I'm like, my mom needs me. Because before I used to be like, if anything happens to me, my brother got it. But now it's just me. So I'm lucky that I have those three big reasons to to keep going. And you have to look at them in the face every day. (laughs) I know they're relentless, especially the younger one, I'm sure. Yeah, I know you understand. I do. I do. And, but they, but you know, I know that, um, what's your daughter's name? Liliana? Liana. Liana. Um, cause Lila and her are the same age. And I went through this, um, back in 2016 to 2017, almost 18, where I was at my sickest. And she remembers, you know, not a lot of the darkness. Cause you know, I shielded her from that, but she remembers, um, a lot of stuff that I can't believe she remembers. And they yeah. are the reason they keep going. And that's yeah. one of the saddest part of this journey. Um, and I think that's something that not not a lot of people talk about it. So a lot of the new people to it don't expect it or don't know it. And the toll that it takes on your family. Mm-hmm. And if you have kids, it's, it's really bad for them. Liana, at one point when I would take her to school, two teachers will have to come and like literally peel her off me because she would just be like no I want my mom I want my mom and I don't and if this happened because one time I couldn't get out of bed to take her mm-hmm. to get her out of school to to go for the to pick her up so right. my husband had to get out of the office and he took like about 20-30 minutes to get there so in these 20, 30 minutes, she's like, what's going on? My mom is always here. Why is she not here? Then she connected this to coming home, seeing me in bed, right. throwing out all this. And she has, to this day, she has separation anxiety. And that's when, like, I realized, I'm like, it's not only about me. Like, I can be taking the physical part of it, but they're taking the the mental toll as well yeah so me being super sick and still having to okay now on top of this you know how offices our medical offices with the bright lights and everything makes it so much worse I was literally in there like I was at the beach with big sunglasses (laughs) with a hat because I just needed to plug all the light and everything but yeah we made it happen oh goodness that's tough yeah yep. very tough not yes, only girls you. need you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well those are some huge obstacles yes yeah so are you taking new clients in the tampa bay area yes i am if you want <laughs> mom to get your nails done <laughs> i will have to link all your information in our notes is there anything else you wanted to share sometimes it's easier to um to forget that even if we have the same diagnose, is very different for each person. It is. And that makes it very hard. So whoever is listening, whoever is watching or whatever, uh, just know that it's a very individual journey. It is. The communities, the groups and everything can help you a lot. But at the same time, you just need to find out what going to work for you that's true mm-hmm. and they they need to know they can reach out to yes um, find someone that you connect with um 
And yeah, I, I have, I have made more lifelong friends through this vestibular journey. Cause I don't know if you felt this, but when, um, I've spoken with a couple of vestibular warriors over the last week about this, about how you do lose friends during this journey. Yes. And so we need to learn to trust and lean on our vestibular friends. Yes, definitely. Not a lot of people, if they're not going through it, they're not going to understand. No. They think it's just, oh, it's a headache. You say vestibular, like it's sad because even with doctors, even with a PCP, even with other type of doctors, I remember going to the ER some, I don't even remember why, because I have other health issues. And oh yeah, I was having a really bad episode of my endometriosis. So I go to the ER and they wanted to give me uh, a strong medication for it. But, you know, when you're going through this, you don't even want to try opioids or whatever that whatever that's going to make you drowsy or dizzy because that's going to. Right. And I tell them, I'm like, I don't want that because um, I have vestibular migraines. And the doctor goes, oh, but that's going to help you with your headache. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, it's not a headache. And he's right. like, you said migraines. And I said, vestibular migraine. I actually had to explain to an ER doctor yep. what vestibular migraines is. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's it's yeah. That's why I say you have to become your best advocate. Absolutely. And Educate sometimes yourself. I feel like I should get a degree or something because, like, <laughs> I know better than some of these doctors. <laughs> so crazy, isn't it? We just assume yes. that because they wear the white coats that they know at all. Yeah. No, yes. that's so untrue. Well, before I let you go, um, I wanted to end with something a little fun. So I have a few whirlwind questions. Okay. You're not going to be graded. <laughs> Fill in the blank. Vestibular disorders are. Hard. They are hard. It's true. You feel your symptoms coming on and you're trying to be brave. What's the first thing that you do? Breathe. What's one thing that people usually get wrong about you? That is just a headache. <laughs> yeah, right. It's not just a headache. <laughs> What's your favorite meal? Uh, anything that has to do with Mexican food. Anything Mexican, huh? Yeah, anything Mexican. Cool. What is the last show that you binged and loved? Keeping up with the Kardashians. Are you serious? I have never watched one. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so happy that they're back. <laughs> oh, they're back? See, I didn't Yes, because they had ended, but now they're back in Hulu. So. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Well, I will have to watch at least one episode and see what the hype's all about. <laughs> it's, it's stupid, but it's, it's entertaining. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> What's on your nightstand? My migraine medication. <laughs> and my <laughs> acidone. <laughs> so you're mad. What um what activity completely relaxes you? Doing nails. Does it? Yes. I have to tell you a story. I have a sister that's 10 months younger than I am. Mm -hmm. And she was she went, did I tell you this already? No. Oh, and she went to become a nail tech. And um, she's doing my nails because I'm her guinea pig. And uh -huh. we got into an argument after she finished one hand. And she left. <laughs> and so I had one hand done, one hand not done. <laughs> it, it happened to Valentina, my oldest, um, because she complains too much. Uh, she bites her nails really bad. So sometimes 
even if I try to be gentle, her fingers are sore. Uh, and she's just like, ow, ow, ow. At one point, I was like, listen, I don't have patience for this. Just go. <laughs> she nearly had one hand and the other one, she just had to. And then my husband was like, yo, go get that poor kid. How are you going to send her to school like that? <laughs> Did you finish her up? Yes, but like three hours later when I was home and, and she was like, can you please finish? And I was like, okay, whatever. That's funny. Oh my goodness. What movie could you watch over and over and never tire of? The Proposal. Oh we my goodness. Proposal. That's my go to sleep at night movie that yeah. I can fall asleep to. I just love it. I, I do too. They're it. great together. Yeah. Um, what's a gift that was given to you that you'd absolutely treasure? Uh, my mom got us uh, matching necklace with my brother's ashes in Aww, it. That's so funny. that I just, that's my biggest treasure right now. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. What is something that you're extremely grateful for? My family. Now, do they live down here or are they up in New York? I mean, when I say my family, seriously, it's my husband, my kids, and now my mom. It used to be my brother too, but now it's just, we have such a small family. And unfortunately, um, just because you are blood doesn't mean anything to me. So if you're not supportive, if you're disrespectful, if you, so yeah, no, my family. And when I'm in my family, it's just my three people here, my mom in New York that I'm trying to make her move here. <laughs> And I know she says she will, but it's a, it's an adjust, adjustment for her as well. Since she lived with my brother, that yeah. was her baby. And he was a mama's boy, even though he was 27. So it's, it's a, it's an adjustment. And she said eventually, but she needs to take her time. So, but that's yeah, a, my family. that's a big move. Yes, it is. Especially in New York. She can be so, because of the many years, my mom doesn't drive. Ah, uh, Yeah. So, cause she's very scared. Cause one of the episodes that happened, she literally almost caused an accident. Mm. So now even her doctor took her license away. Right. So she, I know in New York, at least she has so much more freedom when it comes to subway bus, everything here. She will have to depend a lot on me. Or and Uber, right. And uh-huh, she doesn't like that, yeah. but she's going to have to, I'm like, listen, lady, whether <laughs> we make it happen now or down the road, but it's going to happen because now it's only me. I'm an only child now, and you're going to end up with me, whether you like it or not. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Well, she'll end up down here sooner or later. Mm -hmm. I'm sure the girls would love it. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for- Thank you for having me. This is really nice. I know this is going to help so many people, especially the new ones going through it and feeling lost. So you're really cool for doing this. Oh, thank you. Diana. And since you have such an amazing voice, I remember listening to the book that you narrated and I was like, <laughs> that's so cool. It's a lot of fun. I wish I had more time to do that. That would be my, if I could do something for life, I would love doing yeah. that. You'll have the boys for it. Definitely. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Diana, for sharing so much of your world. I miss seeing your creations on Instagram and I certainly hope you find your way back. Your talent should be celebrated. So I was experiencing a little bit of brain fog early on in my conversation with Diana, and I felt I should circle back. When her and I were discussing finding a diagnosis, and I was searching for the words by Joey Remini, a vestibular audiologist and the author of the book Rock Steady, 
Healing Vertigo, or Tinnitus with Neuroplasticity. In her book, she encourages patients to seek medical clearance, not a diagnosis. Let me say that again. Seek medical clearance, not a diagnosis. I wish I had her advice early on in my journey. Putting a name to what was going on with my body became somewhat of an obsession. And when the diagnoses kept changing, even though they were very closely related, it drove me even harder for confirmation of what my true diagnosis was. Looking back, I wish I had been comforted by being medically cleared and stable. You would think that knowing this wasn't terminal would take the edge off. It didn't. But too many new sensations and not recognizing your body anymore. I get it. If you have not yet been diagnosed, but have been medically cleared, please try to find some sort of comfort in that. Diana and I also touched a little on support groups, and this could go for social media in general. I'm so very thankful for the support groups I found on Facebook. And once I found myself there, I was thankful to find a community of people that really understood what I was going through. Just scrolling through the groups, I knew I wasn't losing my mind. The support was amazing, and I'm not sure how I would have made it through many of those late nights and early mornings when my family slept and I was awake with my thoughts. I connected with so many that were struggling right there with me. Many I still speak with today. Now, through the groups, I was able to ask the tough questions, questions I thought were strange or simple, and the responses were honest and, and raw. I needed that. They were also supportive. I love to find the value in the groups I'm in. When um, This is also where I learned about the toolkits and symptom journals, resources, and books. I love to be empowered, and I'm drawn to groups that encourage a growth mindset. Now, there's also a flip side. As great as the support groups can be, if you begin to have a negative physical reaction to the groups, it may be time for a break or to disconnect from social media for a few days or longer. And when I say a physical reaction, I mean, after scrolling and reading, if you're beginning to feel more depressed, anxious, hopeless, or if you're finding conflicting information, whether it's clinical or non-clinical information, it may be time to take a break from visiting this group. Find another group altogether, or just simply unfollow. Take a break, turn off your notifications, just do whatever you have to. Just step back. Now, when I was looking for groups, I visited several public groups and joined a couple private uh, Facebook groups. I would do a search on something in that particular group I was looking for, like, um, say, vestibular rehab or leg weakness. Or if I had a question like um, noise sensitivity, or if there was an increase in symptoms with weather changes, whatever I wanted more information on, I would just do a search in the group. I would read the post, scroll through the comments, and get a feel for the culture of the group. So often I check myself um, when it comes to social media. Am I learning or taking anything positive from the group? Does it have good guidelines, moderators, and rules that align with what I'm comfortable with? So ask yourself when you're deciding on groups, do you feel good reading through the comments? Is it empowering? Does it give you a sense of relief? Do you feel that that group may be able to enhance your healing? Ultimately, remember that your body is unique and the journey is yours alone. So you may find people on similar journeys, but the symptoms may be a little different. Their therapies 
and tools may be different that they've used. So things that might have worked for someone else may not necessarily work for you. Still, embrace the connections you make and find your people. They are out there. Thank you for joining me, Heather Davies, and my guest, Diana, on this week's episode of Meniere's Muse. If you would like to reach out, please see the show notes for our email addresses or find us on Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to Meniere's Muse for updates. I'll see you next week, warriors.